Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to this week six edition of the Coach McVeigh Show with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of the unbeaten Rams, 33-31 over Seattle. Sean McVeigh, you called it an exhausting win in the Pacific Northwest. How does it feel 24 hours later? Yeah, it feels good. It feels like uh, I'm getting a little run down right now, but, um, you know, we'll take it any way that we can get it. I thought our players continue to demonstrate that mental toughness. Uh, guys being at their best when their best is required. And, and that was a, that was a big part of finding a way to get a win as a team. And it was a, definitely a hard earned win on the road. What a great atmosphere Century Link is. And they got great fans and, you know, they know when to make it loud and when to get quiet for their offense. And, uh, a lot of respect for Coach Carroll and the Seahawks, but, but we'll take that. And, uh, and now we get ourselves healthy. And we've got to have a great week of preparation for the Broncos. I think everybody would love a blowout every time you walk on the field, just beat them by 40 points and walk off. But these type games are fun. Yeah. Where you really fun have for to you. Get, oh, down and dirty, yeah. though. I mean, you learn something about yourself, about your team, about yeah. everything in situations like this. You really do, DeMarco. And I, and I think that's as much of a testament to our players' character. Uh, you hear us say the mental toughness all the time. But they truly are demonstrating that in, in a big way. And, you know, you look at the two stops that our defense had to have. Uh, when they got us the ball back for us to go get a chance to kick that field goal, go up 33-31, and then to get that stop after they hit the shot down the field to lock it. In a lot of instances, you see teams drop their head. They found a way to get a stop and then actually sue ability to get the holding call, then move them back even more, and then get two consecutive stops where Corey bats the ball down on second down and on third down. They get uh, Wilson flushed in a man coverage and, and get him off the field, and they have to punt to us, and then we were able to, to run the clock out on offense. But... Uh, really, a lot, a lot of key contributors to yesterday, and guys that had to step up. Unfortunately, because we ended up losing some key people, but you're right. That's when your football character is tested, and, and guys came through in a big way. Uh, tonight, we will get the latest on Cooks and Cup as we look ahead to a matchup in Denver, Week Six. We'll also have a great audible segment with your questions directly to the head coach. But I thought it'd be fun just to kind of relive that final closing sequence, if you don't mind. Kind of go through your memory and the choice that you made there. Uh, and I don't want to overlook the Todd uh, run to the right of 12 yards, sure. staying inbound to get that all started. Gets a, an early first down, uh, forces the clock to run. Uh, but coming back from the two-minute warning, it's second and eight, and Todd is able to get outside to the left. I'm sure from your sideline it looked like a first-down run right there. It looked that like you got a good eight it. and a half to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but you can't challenge that because sure. it's inside of, t- of two minutes and you exactly didn't have right. a, t- a timeout anyway. Uh, disappointed that didn't maybe get buzzed down and take a, take a closer look. Yeah, I mean, you know what? From our vantage point, we felt like he did, but ultimately we can't let the, uh, you know, where the spots are dictate our response. And, and like we said, to the players' credit, you know, they did a good job on the third down uh, and then end up making it an inches type decision. And, the players all wanted to be able to go for that, yeah. and there was a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of things that went that took place in the meantime because of the stoppage. All right, did they use their timeout? Did they not? Uh, you run people off, and then you know when you just see the players' confidence and how much they wanted to close the game out right there, especially when initially we were thinking about punting it. You know, you see you see the spot, you see the mark, and and how short, how much you know, time, how much space we actually have to gain to be able to convert right there, and. Um, you know, to the players' credit, they delivered in a big fashion. And I think really when you look at the push that we were able to get up front at the line of scrimmage, you talk about the presence of mind for Goff to be able to change up his cadence and snap it in a situation where in a lot of instances, and you know, DeMarco, they're probably thinking, don't jump off sides right here. It might be a ploy and comfortable taking a delay of game right there. And he snapped it off in a motion where it was kind of timely, where they weren't fully set, exploded off the ball. Goff got a great push. And you just look at the way uh, guys got excited to be able to accomplish that together. That, that's what uh, 
That's what's fun, man. That yeah. was awesome to see those guys do that. Rob Havenstein with a road grader block. It was awesome, I saw him man. out he there. Had, yeah. I knew when he got himself in a four-point stance, he was ready to fire off, man. That's a big he did dude. an outstanding job, and he had a pretty good fist pump getting up off of that off the ground, too. Now, when you get into that scenario, I know you guys practice situational football, but when you get into that scenario, when you give it to Todd, <coughs> if he gets caught for a loss, you have the next play ready. But what about if it's a measurement, when you get down to inches? Are yep. you that far down with your game plan? Or did you have your mind made up already? You know, really, in a lot of those instances, you've got uh, kind of situational plans. But, you know, that wasn't something in our short yardage menu. That was something that we felt like as a coaching staff, just kind of a gut call. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they were doing a couple things to try to alleviate, you know, try to be able to stop some of our downhill direct runs where they're putting two deep, they're putting two linebackers in the A-gaps, which typically is something that you don't see until some of those third down, those double-A structures. And, um, you know, usually you see in those potential sneak situations, two defensive tackles getting those A gaps and close them off. And we were able to get up underneath them and you could see it was a situation where they weren't quite, quite fully set, got great knockoff. Mm-hmm. And, and that was something that based on the flow of the game, some of the different formations we had been utilizing and some of the core runs, uh, that was really just something we felt like would complement it and put the ball in Jared's hands. And, and he did a great job. Any player or two most vocal during that timeout about selling you on the decision to go for it right there? Yeah, I think pr- probably every single offense offensive lineman up front uh they wanted to be able to close it out Todd really I don't, I don't think there was one offensive player that didn't want the game uh in their hands and, and have an opportunity to really close it out and we talk about that all the time and you know we we want to be an attacking team where we we believe in you know trying to apply pressure to the opponent never fear and failure always trying to attack that success and we had an opportunity really to demonstrate the belief in the players and, and they delivered in a big fashion that's the thing that you feel so fortunate about is it was a decision made by us as coaches because of the belief that we had in our players' ability to execute, uh, but the belief that the players had made you that much more comfortable and confident to make those decisions, and, and they made it right. And a belief in the defense as well, even though you initially sent the punt team out and decided against it. I mean, that inclination, having pitched a shutout to that point, showed, I think, from you a willingness to let your defense close it out in a similar fashion if it had gone that direction. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and really, when you look at it, you think about all the different variables that could take place when you got a punt, uh, given the ball, while you do have full confidence that our defense could uh, be able to come through for us, if you said you got an opportunity to get six inches to try to win the football game and leave it up to no doubt, uh, that was something that we felt like really as a team was going to be best. And uh, if for whatever reason we didn't convert, you're exactly right. You know, confident that the defense, the way they had played, especially those last two drives, let's find a way to hold them, force them the potential field goal, and, and we'll see what happens. All right, we'll take our first break here on the Coach McVay Show, week six edition when we come back. The latest on Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup as the Rams prepare for another road trip, this time at Denver. You're listening to ESPN LA 710. Well, as you heard there in week five, once again, Cooper Cup finds Pater for the Los Angeles Rams, part of their winning effort to go to 5-0 and and take a three-game lead on the NFC West. We continue with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long, and the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay, is with us. And early in the week, of course, concussion protocol takes some time to run its course, but the early returns seem good on both Cooks and Cup. Yeah, that's right, JB. And really, you know, the, both those guys came in feeling good today, uh, feeling clear, symptom-free. That's always the most important thing. And really, those guys were the first two waiting for us in the locker room when we got back, uh, you know, from that second half, uh, congratulating all their teammates. And, uh, you know, I know they wanted to play and be a part of that second half as much as anybody, but always want to be smart with those situations. But we're hopeful that as long as we go through the right steps and, and they don't have any setbacks, that those guys will be good to go for, for the game against Denver, and that will be a big boost to our offense. Uh, does it help uh, the shot that Brandon Cooks took 
if the defender is fine, does that help you at all? Because it it was not flagged in the game. Yeah. And we're still surprised about that. Sure. Uh, I think you want to continue to educate yourself. Everything is about safety, no doubt about it. Uh, we want to always take steps that are doing things to protect our players, number one, and really protect the integrity of the game. And, um, you know, you never want to see anything like that. You know, it gives you an immediate perspective on what's really important when you see a guy that you care about that's so important to us, uh, most importantly as a human being, not just a football player. But the thing that was good, just being able to talk to Brandon immediately after is, talking about the experience they had in the Super Bowl where he ended up getting a concussion. He felt like this was a totally different experience, remembers everything, uh, was sharp mentally, was able to communicate and, and kind of remembered everything. So that was an encouraging thing, at least just from my, not knowing the, you know, the intricacies of, of how you handle this, but just talking to him and, and seeing, are you there? Are you understanding everything that's going on? So, and then from his own perspective and just comparing it to something else, that was what you felt good about it. And Cooper seemed to have his symptoms subside, you know, a little, a little bit after the game. And, and those were things that, that we were encouraged about most importantly for those guys just feeling good you wouldn't label those as dirty shots just football that's not allowed yeah I, I don't believe that it was anything malicious i think yeah. you know in a lot of instances you got an explosive player who's got the ability to score at any given time and he's coming across the field and sometimes that's what we talk about with our defensive players always trying to keep your head out of the tackles uh as much as possible but sometimes when you're coming in to make those collision type plays with those playmaking angles uh it changes that target changes in an immediate instance and i don't think we feel like that was a there was any malicious intent behind it when thompson ended up making that play a lot of layers to replacing any injured player but especially two receivers for yeah. your group that plays three wide more than any team in the league yep. and that rotates less because of how good those top three are josh reynolds and Kaderil hodge did not miss a beat in a road environment they did a great job and really i think uh, you know, huge credit to those guys, huge credit to Eric Yarber and the leadership that he provides from that receiver room, you know, just as their coach and making sure those guys are ready to go. But you really can't understate the importance of what Robert Woods did. I mean, you talk about a guy that didn't flinch, didn't blink, has a mastery of what we're able to do. He was able to play our uh, F receiver, which is what Cup plays. He was able to kind of direct traffic with Reynolds and, and Hodge, and those guys knew, but having him out there as a calming presence made plays in the run game, uh, blocking, made plays running the ball on some jet sweeps, made some big-time third downs and some big plays on first down, uh, catching the football. And then he goes back and he has to field a couple punts, uh, you know, and, and you talk about a guy that – has a, a extremely, you know, has has continued to get better. Is so important to our football team, and, and what a great job Robert did yesterday. And Jared Goff didn't shy away from throwing to any of his targets, yep. including uh, Reynolds and Hodge. We continue with this edition of the Coach McVay Show live from uh, Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks. You know, Jared orchestrating a go-ahead drive in the fourth quarter, and then a game-clinching drive, even though it didn't necessarily end in points. Did that feel like a final? box checked early in his career resume because I don't know internally but externally there was some some talk like hey Jared's done just about everything he's playing great but he hasn't led that kind of two-minute drill game-winning scoring drive yet yeah you know he's really played really good football I you know I, I don't think anything like that I haven't really thought of anything like that but you know he seemed to deliver on every opportunity that he's had this year we have a lot of confidence in him and really we probably end up getting a chance to you know compete for a touchdown if I don't put us in a bad spot on the on the jet sweep to Robert Woods where Clark ends up coming off the edge making a good play and you're more than anything kind of saying all right third down let's be smart and give ourselves a play that we feel good it might pop but then it also we feel good about it gaining efficient yards where Todd gets six yards on a trap type play and and then you know Santos does an excellent job after missing the extra point uh 
not flinching, not blinking, making the uh, the field goal that ends up being the game winner, and, and that was a real credit to, to those guys. But I thought Jared's leadership throughout, uh, being unfazed, which is kind of the you know just what he is. You know whether things are you're losing some of your guys that are so important. He just goes out and plays, and he's got such a confidence and an internal belief in himself, but also his teammates, and I think it shows up. I just wonder where we're headed with Goff. The more experiences he has, the better he's going to get, obviously. Yep. And the more you're going to challenge him. I wonder where he's going to wind up next game, next year, two years from now, it's, five years from now. It's exciting. You know, he's, he's taking a lot of steps in the right direction right now, DeMarco. And, um, you know, he's just got, he's seeing the field so well. I think he's got a great feel for what we're trying to get done. And, and I think, uh, the game is slowing down. But by no means does that mean we're, we're one of, we are where we want to be. We got to continue to push it. And, um, you know, we feel really good about what Jared's done, and, and you know, I'm grateful to be able to work with a player like him. And he scrambles smart. I like that. He, when hey, you scramble. Third and yeah. ten, actually, that was good. I was glad they didn't get me on that timeout on the third and ten. I was getting ready to go use a timeout, thinking about getting a better play. They played a two-man structure. He scrambled, bought some time, and then he ended up having to avoid a cameraman and jump over a camera on the sideline. But that was a huge conversion on third and ten, using his legs right there. And when he wasn't scrambling, he was using his arm to join Kurt Warner as the only quarterbacks in Rams history with four straight games of 300 plus passing i do want to touch on one thing you said after the the contest which was you know at some point you're going to learn your lesson about some of your uh, yep. red zone play calling what did you mean by that i imagine it was in regard to the interception at the goal it line. was you know really because we went efficient run on that on the on the play before uh we were getting good knockoff good movement uh and i think i got a little bit greedy in that situation right there uh you know they made a good play you don't ever want to take away the the, the credit that seattle you know give them credit for making a nice play but you know, they played a loaded, you know, they played a loaded coverage behind it where they only rushed three in that situation. That's where I'm saying to myself, you know, don't be afraid to go back to back runs right there. And, um, you know, that ended up really hurting us because that was a chance to score on a short field where we get a block punt by the special teams. Uh, and I felt like I didn't do a good job. Now, to the, to the offense's credit and to the player's credit, you know, to then get five more possessions in the red zone, go four for five. And the one that you miss ends up being a touchdown that we, that got called back where Todd ends up on a second down, kind of reaching it out. And then they do a nice job preventing us from getting it in on the third down uh, where we did try to run it. Uh, I thought the guys delivered and, and ended up finishing with uh, crucial touchdown drives that clearly we ended up needing to win that football game. Yeah, Corey Littleton got his hands on a punt again. We'll break here, but come back with segment three and talk about Littleton and some of the other defensive efforts, including the 2018 debut of Mark Barron, plus the latest on Marcus Peters. That's when we continue on ESPN LA 710. Uh, once again in week five, the Rams saved their best defensively for the final quarter of play, shutting out the Seahawks and preserving a 33-31 victory with DeMarco, J.B. Long, Sean McVay uh, with us tonight and previewing week six against the Denver Broncos upcoming. Next segment, audibles, your questions directly to the head coach. But let's talk a little bit about uh, that defense, including the pass rush, uh, but start with Mark Barron making his 2018 debut and able to start for you, Coach, against the Seahawks. Mark did a great job. He was really active throughout the course of the game. Uh, you can just feel his instincts and awareness show up, ability to recognize plays uh, and be able to trigger on those to, to be able to, you know, get into the backfield, be be a part of some, some TFLs and you know, you just feel his explosiveness sideline to sideline, the way that he's able to close in short space, 
uh, and, and get guys down in a hurry. And, and I think he was, uh, you know, a big part of some key plays for us yesterday. And, and he said he was feeling good today and it was great to get him back out there. Uh, issues in the run game, so to speak, I think from my eyes are fixable. I don't, yes. it's not guys getting run, run over or just rolled up. It's yep. missing gaps here or there. Are we right about that? Yeah, you're right. And, and, and you know, DeMarco, like, you know, everybody wants to make a big deal about the run defense, but I think there's, each play is its own entity and you got to look at it. What's the reason for it? Is this fixable? Is it something that typically isn't accustomed to doing things that we're doing? And, you know, they had some great individual efforts. A couple of them, you know, the one third down run that popped out where they were, we were in a front structure that, you know, we learned from too as coaches. But I think the biggest thing is, is that, the players come in, they look at themselves and they say, what can we do a better job of? We definitely have to do that and starts, it starts with us as coaches and then we get it fixed and, and we move forward. But as long as we keep the run gap integrity, uh, we, we get there in a hurry. We're fitting blocks. We're hitting blocks the right way playing with great hand placement and then when we when we gang tackle you know everybody's getting there and, and capping off the right way because uh they did a great job you know i thought carson and both davis they, you know they ran hard and, and they did a nice job those guys are well coached up front i think coach solari for the for the seahawks has done an excellent job so there's an element of certainly we expect it to be better and we will but they found a way to be at their best when we had to and then you also want to make sure that you don't take away from like we were saying with seattle making the defensive pick on our offense you know with our defense giving them credit for for being able to, to establish the run and, and do a couple things that, you know, you give them credit for. Each play being its own entity, <laughs> talked about fitting the run. Would the same uh, be said of Marcus Peters and what might be considered an off day by some? Yeah, you know, I, and I think, too, you know, you never know exactly what the responsibility within the framework of that call is. Uh, he's been a playmaker throughout the course of his career, and, and he's made some great – he's got a great feel for the game. He understands when to activate some of those different things where you're, you know, you're triggering on a route or you're recognizing a certain concept. And uh, they did a nice job on a, on a third down situation, ended up hitting some down the field, and then the other one on the first down play – and shot, you know, that was a great play by them, and, and it, it was it was tough on uh, on us on the back end. Right, what do you tell a guy when he's right? When he's upset at the officials, they missed the call. Yeah, but he's dead right. But the call on the field is wrong. But yep. you have to move on. Yeah, what do you, you tell a guy? Exactly that. You tell him, hey, you're right. There's nothing that we can do. That's out of our control, and we can't allow those decisions, even if we do disagree with them, to affect the way that we respond moving forward. And you know, that's part of just dealing with some of the adversity that comes up. And there are certain things that are out of our control, and, and we can't allow those responses to affect the next play and the next play after that. And I don't think it really has. I think our team's done a nice job with that but uh, you don't want to get into a habit of you know allowing us to say okay even though they missed it then let's let that snowball into something else and, and to our players credit they didn't I will say the game could have ended differently and that is with Marcus going pick six yes. uh, to finish it on, on one of the great plays of the Corey Littleton yeah uh, made. on the second and 23 <laughs> yeah. you're right you know Corey does a great job batting it down uh, Marcus ended up reading quick game and a and you know in a three deep structure we were in and you know, that, that could have been similar scene to what we saw in, in Oakland on Monday night in the opener. At the other corner, a little bit of a rotation, it seemed, with uh, Hill and Shields early. Yep. Yeah, our coaches did a great job. You know, Aubrey and E, they had a plan uh, situationally and, and specific to some of the packages that we wanted to utilize to be able to get both those players involved. Uh, Sam did a nice job. I thought Troy did a great job as well. You know, Troy plays pretty well when we go to Seattle. He's done an excellent job really the last two years when we've gone to CenturyLink. And uh, Troy Hill is a good football player. I thought he had a good week of preparation. Uh, he, you know, his second year in the system, understanding uh, where he fits. I thought he came up and made a couple good big-time tackles as well as a crack replaced corner on some of the runs that bounced to him. And uh, Troy Hill, you know, he had a great game. I just wonder if some teams will try to use that as a blueprint. Hey, this is what Seattle did to have success against the Rams. Let's try it. I know it's specific to different game plans, but I wonder, will you see a blueprint? 
Yeah, and you know, I, I think we kind of had an idea that one of the things they wanted to do when you just look at the, the recent games that they had won, they had close to 40 carries in the run game. I want to say they were averaging 37 carries in the run game in the two games that they won and 17 in the games that they lost. So we had a feeling that they wanted to come in and run the football. They did a nice job with that, and then they were able to maximize some play-action shots where guys made plays down the field. But, uh, again, defensively, they stood up when they had to, and that, I think that's what says as much about our defense and really our team as anything is that when they needed the – when they needed to get the stops they got them and those last two drives you know the third quarter Seattle had some success offensively but uh, they shut them out in the fourth quarter when we know that that's when you're finishing games and uh, it was enough for us to be able to get that win and then offensively you know they did some different things than what we had seen uh, the guys were able to adjust and adapt and, and made some plays let's touch on a couple of teams elements before we finish this segment uh, will Matt Longacre get consideration for any more kick returns this Matt week? Longacre <laughs> will show up on the great ball security reel for his wow. two returns that he did have for an average of 15 yards uh, he fielded it clean he got the offhand cover and contact situations and you know we were we were uh, we were proud of Matt I was a little nervous you know and then he did a great job so he was all hyped about that and and really the kick return unit as a whole you know yeah. Blake has four turns uh, you know for about 98 yards I, I want to say something like that but they gave us great field position uh, you know really throughout the course of the day those guys got a game ball that whole unit and, and how instrumental they were in, in setting the offense up with short fields that was the weirdest game kickoff wise I've ever seen it was interesting you know we got a couple good returns early on and that's that was the decision that they wanted to go with as far uh, you know, kind of those shorter punts, and uh, you know the guys executed and, and did a good job of of getting us in favorable spots. All right, audibles is next. And one of our questions: How does Coach McVeigh spend his time between when he arrives at the stadium and kickoff on a given week? We'll answer that question next as we continue with the Coach McVeigh Show on ESPN LA Seven Ten. Well, before we get to audibles, isn't it something how Todd Gurley can lead the NFL in scoring, play at an MVP caliber level for five weeks, and he just kind of flies under the radar because of everything that your team is doing? Shane? Yeah, you know, he certainly hasn't flown under the radar for defensive coordinators when you look at some of the ways that we're being defended and 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 not in our building you know we're, we're so appreciative of the many contributions that Todd has made uh to to help our offense and and our team overall you know you look at all the ways that he's scoring you look at some of the tough hard runs that he's making closing you know being instrumental in closing that game out yesterday with some of the four minute runs that he had uh his contributions in protection uh in the past game as a receiver so he's a, he is certainly uh an extremely extremely important part of what we're doing here and, and we're thankful to have Todd. All right, that's enough for me. Let's go to Audibles, our weekly segment where we deliver your questions directly to the head coach in a really good crop this week. We teased one of them. Uh, generally, the bus gets to the stadium two and a half, three hours before yep. kickoff or whatever. How do you spend that time before you take the field, yeah, coach? Typically, you know, what I do is that you kind of go through and, and kind of try to play the game before the game. Go through your situational calls, make sure that uh, you feel good about what are some of the things that you can expect, what are some of the adjustments that you need to be ready for if they give us some different things than maybe what we had prepared for or seen on tape. Uh, and just kind of making sure that you're, you know, it's almost memorizing it so that you can be timely for Jared and for our offense as far as getting things in, uh, especially being in a road atmosphere, but getting your final thoughts, final calls together, uh, any little last reminders, and then uh, trying to, you know, just kind of quiet your mind down a little bit and listen to a little bit of music and then uh, and get ready to go. DeMarco, you know, how no, about you? No workout? Anywhere in between? You know what, I'll get a workout before we go over to the stadium. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do that, try to get a little steam off, but... Once I get to the stadium, you kind of lock in, you 
get changed into your stuff and, and then you kind of go and put your music on and, and get yourself kind of going through the situational calls and getting your final thoughts together and writing some different things down. And usually that's just kind of how my mind best works to remember things. All right. Thanks to Rick for that question. The next Sunday morning will take place in Denver. And Steve asks, will your tra- team travel early to get acclimated to the altitude at mile high? Yeah. You know, what we've learned about this is, is a good question is really, you know, when you're trying to adjust to the altitude, you either want to go within 24 hours or you've got to go for the full week. Uh, so that's why later on you'll see us. We're going to be in Denver for that week leading up to the Kansas City game when we're playing in Mexico City dealing with that altitude. Uh, but because we can get there in a short trip, we're going to go on Saturday. Uh, and that way then when we arrive, it'll be within that framework of the 24 hours where what we've learned when you listen to Reggie and Ted uh, as you continue to try to educate yourself on what is best for the players. And that's the most important thing. Uh, that's kind of what we felt like was going to be the approach to the Denver game. But you'll see us take a little bit different approach just because of the the week allowing us to, to train in a facility in, in Denver uh, leading up to the Mexico City game against the Chiefs. I remember getting ready to go up there, and they would co- they would consciously not talk about the altitude yeah. so it wouldn't get in our heads. Like, don't even worry about it. It's going to happen anyway. Sure. Just go play. Yeah, you know, we, we want to make sure that we talk about the communication to Marco. So I think what we want to do is educate them on here's why we're doing what we're doing. Here's what we've learned so that they can at least say, cause I think sometimes your mind can play tricks on you and you say, no, you know, really, if you go within the framework of those 24 hours and you're not there over that elongated period of time, you actually don't have a chance where your body adapts and adjusts in a negative way. So, uh, this is going to be something that is geared towards them feeling good. Uh, and then later on we'll have a little bit different approach and, and really it'll be probably helpful for us if this comes up in the future to use both the models and, and see if one of them fits better for the players and, and if they like one better than the other and, and then that's what we'll do. We'll get a bit more on the Broncos in our final segment tonight on the Coach McVay Show. We continue with audibles and Sammy has our next question. Uh, knowing you don't like to talk about yourself and would rather discuss the team success as a group, he asks if you had to pick something non-football related that you think you're actually pretty good at, what would it be? Uh, probably pissing off my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that counts. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Sammy. Wow. Next question. Uh, James chimes in. Uh, the defense has allowed uh, more than 30 in back-to-back weeks, but only three fourth-quarter points over those games. How much of that is in-game adjustment from you, uh, Wade Phillips, and others on the staff? Uh, I think it's a I think it's a product of you know the end game adjustment from our from our coaches for sure, and then the players' ability to execute. And I thought Wade had a great line this morning when you're talking about you know when you just look back, really with the exception of the Arizona game, our defense has made key points or key stops that were instrumental in us being able to close out and ultimately lead to us winning those football games and those other four. And you know they clearly played incredible against Arizona earlier on in week two. But the great teams. Uh, and that's what we're striving to be. We are a long way away from being that, but the great teams are great in those pressure situations. And certainly I think our defense has been great in that pressure, in those pressure situations. We talk about the competitive greatness all the time. Being your best when your best is required. Our defense has represented that competitive greatness in a lot of those instances in the fourth quarter. Um, we got to continue to take steps, but through five weeks to be five and oh, real credit to our players, uh, and their ability to execute in crunch time. Frank asks, if you could have dinner with one former NFL coach or former player and pick his brain for an hour or so, who would it be and why? Oh, man. I mean, that, that, you could, I could, you know, there's so many different people that come to mind. Uh, you know, I think just, if you're just talking about the family background that I have, uh, being fortunate to, to grow up in a football family, Bill Walsh is somebody that I've always admired and respected. Um, 
you know, there's so many different players. You know, you get around those great players, you know, whether it be guys that were part of Super Bowl team here. You talk about Coach Vermeil. Uh, you get a chance to cross pass, obviously, with DeMarco. But then, you know, with guys like Torrey Holt, Marshall Falk, Kurt Warner, you know, you hear from those guys with Tex and you have an appreciation for uh, the great organizational history. But I'm such a fan of this game. I, I just feel like any ch- anytime you get a chance to learn from people that have done it at a high level for so long or have that experience that you can gain knowledge and insight from, uh, you know, to, to say one or the other, you know, that, that's, that's, a, that's about as difficult a question as I could answer. I would have said Vance Joseph. I'm trying to get the win. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Yeah, that, I want all of it. That's yeah. what I said one previous. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vance Joseph next on the schedule, of course. Uh, maybe this one will be a little bit easier to select. Uh, Chuck asks, what is your fondest football memory as a player? So going back to your playing days. Yeah, wow. my fondest football memory as a player, you know, I would I would say probably, you know, getting a chance to win a couple Mac East championships in college, you know, with, with Miami of Ohio, and then, you know, getting to, getting to win a, a state championship in high school. But uh, any time that you're able to accomplish one of those goals that you set out as a team, those are the things that are special. You know, we talk about it all the time with our football team. Uh, you know, the, the, what's so special about it is being a part of something bigger than yourself. And when you're able to share in that uh, accomplishment as a team, do those different types of things uh, with guys that you, you put in that amount of work, you know, atmospheres like yesterday's locker room, uh, being able to celebrate last year with a division title in Tennessee. Those are the kind of things that you never forget. You always cherish and um, that's what you love so much about this game, and whether you're playing or coaching, you know that that's the that's, those are always the best memories. I know it's the bigs, and you got to fly, but there's nothing like being on a bus after a win with your teammates. Yeah, yeah, uh, in, in a locker room, on a bus, or even on a team plane. You yeah, know, yeah. it was. Uh, it, 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 those are all, those always make for fun rides home. All right, final question belongs to Chad Pritchard, who asks: When you're drawing up your offensive plays, what do you believe is the single most important part to accomplishing that and doing so successfully? Well, I think first, the single most important part is that the players have clarity on what we're trying to get done and then, you know, understanding, you know, we always talk about the intent of the play call. Um, but it's about being sound. You know, we talk about trying to make sure that number one, we're running plays that our players feel comfortable with. And then number two, are these plays designed to attack whatever defensive system that we're going against? Uh, whether that be coverage driven, whether that be front driven. Uh, but the most important thing in all of it is the clarity that we provide for our players. Uh, it doesn't matter what we know. It's about what they know. And if they can go out and execute, they have that understanding, understanding the intent, understanding the little details, then that can ab- that enables them, excuse me, to be able to go play fast without any uncertainty. And I think that's when you see why these guys are special talents uh, that are playing in the NFL. All right, final segment upcoming, a preview of Week 6 against the Denver Broncos, who lost their third consecutive last week in New York. We'll chat with Sean McVay about the Broncos and another road trip after this on ESPN LA 710. All right, the Rams will take their 5-0 and record to mile high to take on the Broncos. After starting 2-0, and they have dropped three straight on the road again in New York, 34-16 most recently. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. Any difference in your eyes and your you know kind of experience catching a team on the rise on a hot streak versus scuffling a little bit and trying to regroup? Not really. You know, really, this league, every, every the narrative is written week to week, and there's too many good players. There's too many good coaches. Uh, you know, you use those previous games as a reference point as far as your preparation, but what you've learned in the short amount of time that I've been fortunate enough to coach in this league is that if you take anybody for granted, if you take anybody lightly and you're not ready to go, you get humbled very quickly. And so this is a team that's, that's got a lot of weapons on both sides of the football, extremely well coached. They got elite players and I'm talking, we got to be ready to go. And, uh, mile high is always a tough atmosphere and environment to play in very similar to what we just played in in Seattle. And if we're not ready to go, um, 
it will not be good for us, and, and we're hopeful that we'll have a, the, the right focus, the right concentration uh, one day at a time this week, and hopefully it'll lead to a good performance on Sunday against a really tough opponent. That's what I can't wait to see, how your guys react after going life and death with Seattle. Yep, and that's we talked about that today, and uh, the, the really good teams, especially on an emotional win like that, uh, where, it, where it takes everything out of you, uh, enjoy it, let's come back ready to go on Wednesday and not allow this to have any sort of lull on the way that we approach it a very good football team and uh, trying to move forward into week six. A lot of those individuals, especially on the defensive side of the ball, still have close personal relationships with Wade Phillips, yep. but uh, everywhere you go, Wade is having a homecoming, it seems, on the road schedule, right? Yeah, he's uh, he's got so much experience and he's had such a good effect and influence on the people that he's come in contact with and uh, you know, being able to win a world championship there and, and be a huge part of it where that year their defense was arguably one of the, the greatest defenses of all time. It leads to him getting assistant coach of the year, which was well deserved. And, um, you know, I know he meant a lot to that organization. And anytime you're able to accomplish the things that they were able to accomplish as a team when he was a big part of that, uh, that's special. JB told me that Von Miller said that he's not worth anything lately. Yeah, he doesn't have a sack during this losing streak and he's taking it kind of personal. Yeah, I'm not buying it. Yeah, I'm not yeah, buying. He's, neither will we. Yeah, uh, we we know he's an elite player. Uh, he's a great football player. That's uh, a nightmare to prepare for, a nightmare to go against, and uh, we will not take a phenomenal player like him lightly at all. It's been several years since you've made this trip to Denver personally, correct? Yeah, it is. Shoot, I, I guess the last time we were there was 2000. The last time I've been there was was 2012. Wow. So when I was coaching with the Redskins. It was a uh, it was a tough day for us. <laughs> so they were they were really good that year. On the other side of the football, you have seen Case Keenum uh, more recently with the Vikings last year, and now he's uh, changed colors again, and he's in charge of their offense, which has a ton of weapons and also uh, some really talented running backs. I mean, they more than any other team are efficient in their running game in 2018, which has turned into the year of the passer. Yeah, they are. They're they're doing a great job, and they utilize them in a variety of ways. You know, clearly when you look at the production that Sanders and Thomas have had over the course of their career, and and then you know with Case, uh, you know you know we know case very well just the guys that have played with him here and then what a great job he did when we played them when he was leading minnesota last year to a 13 and 3 record and um you know he's made a lot of plays he can create with his legs very similar to russell in terms of a great competitor extremely smart uh has the ability to make all the throws in rhythm but certainly can be a nightmare to prepare for because he can create off schedule and and beat you that way with his athleticism and it's going to be a great challenge and there's a reason why he was one of the top free agents out there last year and, and denver made a big push to be able to you know to acquire him these type of guys are tough especially for a pass rusher just beating your guys not enough. Now you got to get the guy on the ground. That's right. That's hard. Yeah, it really is. And and that's what uh, you know. Anytime that you're a quarterback that has the ability to create off schedule, those are things that alter and affect your game plan. And you've got to do an excellent job of trying to keep them corralled. And uh, that's why Case is a really good football player. Coach, get some rest. Yeah. Uh, while your team does as well, we wish you all the health and uh, preparation going into Week Six, and we'll see you on the road, mile high. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. All right, that's Sean McVay, DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. Rams All Access coming your way on Thursday this week, and we'll have more coverage for you on ESPN LA 710.